In this last lecture, we look at the design of a computer-based control system. That means that we repeat uh, the, uh, the contents of uh, two lectures ago and combine that with the content of the last lecture and the consequences of, uh, of digital control. So that means that we uh, have to pay attention to the translation of continuous time designs into discrete controllers. Then we uh, have to choose a proper sampling rate depending on the characteristics of the system to be controlled. We pay attention to anti-aliasing. And finally, if you have a design, the next step is the realization. And that has some consequences uh, which we will uh, take into account as well. Of course, if you, you want to realize a, a control system which was designed in a simulation environment, you need to write your C code. But the 20SIM software allows you to automatically generate C code. That means that if the design is okay in the simulation, it should work in the real setup as well, as long as, this, as the model dis properly describes the, uh, the real system, which is uh, not always, or you could say mostly not exactly the case. So we have seen that uh, two lectures ago that this uh, servo system as a power amplifier, a motor, a transmission and a load could be well controlled by a properly designed lead network. And when we looked at the root locus uh, of the lead network, we got uh, this system uh, which was uh, working properly. Here we have the, uh, the parameters. Well, we could repeat the experiment, but we will skip that. We have seen that before. And we see here that uh, we have a situation where we have a response with some low-frequency content, but that we also see some of these uh, high-frequency uh, vibrations still present because of the flexibility of the transmission. If we are going to design a digital control system, of course, we have to take into account these frequencies as well, because otherwise uh, we have an aliasing problem. If we consider this in the, uh, the frequency domain, we see in this case that uh, frequencies up to, well, say, 16, uh, 60 radians per second are clearly present in the closed-loop system. So our uh, sampling must be determined based on this observation that, uh, that the bandwidth of the system is about 60 radians per second. So what we are going to do now is to design a computer-based controller which we require to have a similar performance as the continuous time system, which has a closed-loop bandwidth of about 60 radians per second. That means that our sampling frequency should be larger or equal than uh, 10 times the, uh, the bandwidth of the closed-loop system. Well, this is a rule of thumb, huh, but that's uh, on the safe side. That means about 600 radians per second, or in terms of frequency, that's about 100 hertz. Again, when we play here at the computer with, uh, with simulations, remember that sampling time is something completely different from the uh, computation step size you, which you have in the, uh, in the continuous time part of the model. Everything is in the computer, so every system, but we want to, uh, to have a computation step size if we would have cho chosen an Euler integration method, which is uh, in general smaller than, uh, than the, the the, the control step, uh, controller sampling time. And so there's a difference between sampling time, which has to do with the discrete time system, and the step size in the continuous time simulation. 
So the most simple thing we can do is just to use 20SIM to translate our continuous time network, our lead network, with a transformation available there into a digital representation. It requires, of course, that we also separate the continuous time part of the system from the discrete time part of the system. So here we measure the, uh, the angle of the motor through an AD converter, analog to digital converter. We make the system, uh, the signal, uh, discrete time and digital signal. This all is a digital part. And then at the end, the output of the controller is converted back by a DA converter to the continuous time. So this is the, uh, the, the part which is uh, available then in the computer. Well, we can demonstrate this. This is the uh, discrete time system and to show how we got this, uh, this controller. Uh, we have here a transfer function in, uh, in Z. And when I use this button going from S to Z or vice versa, if I press this I get back my uh, continuous time controller again. And once again with a sampling time of uh, 100 seconds of 100 hertz. Omega 628 radians per second, we get our discrete time controller. Well, we don't have to update the system now, but it was the controller we started with. Okay, now we can run the simulation and see. This is the response, which is quite similar. And of course, it's uh, also interesting then to look at the uh, response of the, uh, let's say, the DA converter output. So here's our DA converter. We take the output. And add that here. Here, here it is, and here in the beginning you clearly see the digital nature of the, uh, the system. Uh, this is the, uh, the control signal. You clearly see the, the steps in the signal due to the sampling. In the demonstration we saw that we can achieve uh, a similar response uh, which we had in the continuous time system, also in the discrete time system. The uh, discretization was done with the uh, forward Euler algorithm. And of course uh, the, the method here doesn't matter so much as long as you take care that exactly at the sampling moments uh, you, you get the proper signals. This is the response we got. And even more interesting than uh, seeing that the response is very similar to the continuous time response is also the, uh, the discrete time steering sig signal we observed. We have also seen that we could use a pre-filter in order to, the, uh, to do damn the vibrations. We can apply that as well. So we take our, uh, our filter with two complex poles uh, with a good, uh, good damping ratio and put that on sufficient, uh, put these poles on a sufficient distance from the imaginary axis. And then with the same uh, discretization method, we can compute this, uh, this linear system as a kind of uh, pre-filter, which modifies the set point in such a way that the uh, 
the vibrations are properly damped. This is the result, and again, this is similar as we had in the continuous time system. A similar approach, the lead network and the feedback path. This is what we had in the continuous time system. And we can also do that in the uh, discrete time system. And here we see, as a comparison, both uh, systems together. This is the continuous time system, this is the discrete time system. Again, always separated by the A and the A converters from the, uh, the rest of the world, of the continuous time world. So this will be interesting to see. So here we see the continuous time and discrete time responses. Uh, the lower figure gives the discrete time responses and they are exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, well, we could ask ourselves, can we, uh, can we achieve the similar things with uh, another sampling ratio? Yeah? So then the question is, how do I change my sampling, sampling time? Well, that can be done here. Here I have my uh, discrete system description where I determine the, uh, the frequency or the sampling time of the sampling. If I change this, I could say, well, let's try 50 and do the experiment again. We will see that it doesn't work. Hmm? Yeah. I could also do it uh, the other way around and say, well, I make it uh, 200. Well, remove this and still it's not good. Why? You would expect that if I sample faster, the response would be better. Yeah. Well, this is something you uh, you easily uh, do do wrong, because what I did, I just changed the sampling uh, sampling of these DA and AD converters, but you don't see that here anymore. But each Z-transformed block has in fact in the parameters the sampling time. We have seen that when we derive the Euler formulas. So this 9.5 and 10 and 0.5 have this sampling time inside. Okay. So what I should do if I want to do this properly, I first uh, must convert this back. So I go to the linear system. This is my linear system description, so now I transfer it back to the continuous time, and then I do it again, and now here I must change my sampling time of my frequency as well. That gives me a proper description in the Z-domain. Now I update the graph, so I have now a proper Z-transformed linear system here, and when we do it again now, now it's okay. And the same, of course, with a, with a lower sampling frequency, we could uh, could try that. And say, well, we go now to 50, see whether that works well. Of course, we have seen that this was the uh, the wrong, or it's even worse now, because now my, my Z-transformed system yeah. expects a, a much smaller yeah. sampling time. So we have first to change the transformation again.
so we transform it back then transform it again and now it's 50 hertz And now you see, well, there is some slight difference. There's a little bit yeah. less damping, but still it's okay. Yeah? So the, uh, the rule of thumb is really on the safe side. We, we have uh, at least a factor two, uh, which we can, uh, can go slower, but then you are going to see something. Hmm? So this is important. Don't forget. Don't forget that if you change your uh, your sampling time here, you have to change the transformations as well. Yeah. Well, another problem we discussed was the uh, anti-aliasing in the case we have noise. Yeah? So and this is the same system where I, uh, I added noise and I put an anti-aliasing filter here. If we do so, we can choose the cutoff frequency too high. So this is the uh, continuous time system. This is the discrete time system with the anti-aliasing filter where we have chosen the cutoff frequency too high. That means that uh, we see the, the noise back in the, uh, in the responses. So there is noise entering the system and it's uh, probably by the sampling converted to, to low frequency noise. So that, uh, that we see that as a relatively low frequency noise uh, back here. Uh, this is the correct cutoff frequency, then we have almost uh, similar responses. Uh, well, this is of course a little bit worse because we have an extra filter in the loop, so these elements do not uh, add to, to stability properties, so you have to be careful. And if we choose the uh, cutoff frequency too low, the, the delay of the filter is so important that you, uh, you get an unstable system. So such an anti-aliasing filter must be carefully chosen. We have seen the formulas last time. Uh, so far, we, uh, we used uh, a lead network in the feedback path or in the forward path. We can also apply state feedback. In that case, we measure the, uh, the angle and use it with a proportional gain. And the velocity is estimated here by a state variable filter. And we have seen that in the state space description lecture. You can make a state variable filter which gives you a good filtered estimate of the, uh, the derivative. And of course, this is the continuous time state variable filter. We have to transform that to discrete time in order to get uh, a discrete time uh, system. Again, here the... Uh, cutoff frequency of the filter must be chosen 10 times uh, higher than the, uh, the resonant pulse. So that means also that uh, inside the computer you have uh, a filter with a, a rather high bandwidth. So your, your sampling time of the computer must be uh, appropriate to deal with that. Well, this is the, the result. Uh, this is the DC servo system which I have put now in a submodel. If I make another submodel of this part I can indeed automatically generate code of this and use that in, uh, in a real setup. So this is the result. We see responses here. Uh, we also see the steering signal. This is the output of the DA converter, which besides the fact that you can see that there are discrete levels eh, of this amplitude, 
which is the, the amplitude discretization, but we also see that the signal is very noisy. Yeah. The responses as such are quite okay, they are even excellent. But what can we do with this noise? What would be the reason of this noisy behavior? There's not much noise added here in the uh, in the model, so well, it's hidden here a bit, but there's not specially noise added, and still we see a noisy output. What could be the reason? Well, the first assumption uh, you could make is to say, well, we increase the sampling frequency. We make the system ten times faster. Maybe our sampling frequency is too low. We saw that if there is some noise from anywhere, that converts to low frequency noise, and that could be the cause. Well, the noise is more high frequent, but it doesn't help. The strange thing is when we, we have this system in reality as well, and when we use this in the real system, the steering signal looks much smoother. So there must be a reason why my simulation is different from your reality. Mm-hmm. So I was searching what could be the cause, and then I found out that my AD converter in reality was a 14-bit converter. In, in the simulation I used a 12-bit converter, so I lost two bits. Another way of losing bits is that when we look at the, uh, the signal, the ID converter never got signals larger than one, and it could handle signals up to four faults. Well, if you realize that, you can say, well, I can change the scaling, and then when I make that two faults, I gain another other bit. Eh? So I can, I can add more bits by diff- choosing a different scaling, at least more effective bits, because a lot of bits do not play a role if I take my scaling wrong. And we can increase the, the number of bits of the AD converter, which makes it a more expensive AD converter. But well, if we do so, we see that the noise is, is much smaller. Another option, of course, to get rid of the noise is to, uh, to filter in the computer. You can easily add a, a low-pass filter in the computer. The only thing is you should never do that with noise that's coming from outside by... Uh, by external noise sources which cause the, the aliasing because if the noise is converted to low frequencies you can never filter it out but in this case we can uh, can add uh, a filter in the computer in this case the, the, the AD converter produces some of course also this produces some noise because it's also a discretized signal if we apply a filter here we can even remove the, the rem- a lot of the remaining noise and still with a we have the high frequency sampling now because this allows the filter to have a cutoff frequency of 100 Hz and this gives us a situation which which looks quite okay okay this was just application of the theory of last lecture on the, on the example we used before and there's much more to say about digital control systems but that's for a follow up course uh, digital control engineering where we pay more attention to uh, to designs really in the discrete time domain. What we did now, we just translated continuous time desi- designs with some rules of thumbs for sampling time and as well some, some simple uh, discretization algorithms to uh, discrete time uh, realization. So this is the system we were talking about all the time, and this is uh, a, a small processor board which uh, can... Uh, 
obtain code from uh, generated by 20SIM and control the system. This board is used also during the Megatronics project, at least it was used uh, the last few years. Uh, it is the setup and then the question is what uh, measures should you take in order to get a theoretical design working in a practical system. First of all we have seen that AD converters play an important role. The AD converters on the uh, ADSP boards which we just showed are 14 bits and have an input of plus or, one, plus or minus 1 volt. The DE convert, the A converters mostly they have a smaller number of bits, 12 bits in this case, and have an output of zero between zero and two volt. Mm -hmm. Well, this is not a very nice uh, scaling, uh, so we must anyhow do something on this one because in this case we can only have positive voltages. Eh? There is an encoder input that means that uh, angles measured by uh, encoder digital uh, encoder can be directly read into the uh, to the board and there is pulse width modulated output which helps us to uh, easily produce a signal of enough power to, to steer a motor for instance and in addition there is digital input output which will not be discussed further here so when we look at uh, the system then we have here uh, the DSP board, which is the, the, the yellow part, and we need some extra interface, as indicated here, that's in the blue part. So first of all, we have here a scaling of the input signal. So if we get an input signal of, for instance, of plus or minus 10 volt, this, uh, this circuit is, is makes it possible to, uh, to have a gain, say, of point, uh, point 0.1, which converts the plus or minus 10 volt input signal to plus or minus 1 volt which is in the reach of the AD converter. The, the A converter is slightly more difficult. We first need an amplification. So this is a gain smaller than 1. This is typically a gain higher than 1. If you want an output signal of plus or minus 10 volt we have to amplify the signal and we have to subtract a signal of say 1 volt. So if we have a range from 0 to 2 volt we first subtract 1 volt then we have a range from minus 1 to plus 1 and then we amplify that with a factor 10 and have the proper output signal. So for the AD converter, as I said, this, this signal provides a factor 10 less gain and the plus or minus 10 volt signal is then converted to the plus or minus 1 volt signal. Then you have to take care how that's realized in the, uh, in, in the hardware. So we have a 14-bit integer, that means the number 2 to the 14th minus 1 is this number. Or, if you have to distribute that over the, uh, the, the bits here, that means that minus 10 volt is 0, plus 10 volt is, uh, is this number, and 0 volt is just halfway. Internally, you can do a conversion here, a scaling, and say, well, I take this number, I subtract this number, divide it by this number, so that gives me uh, a number in the range of plus or minus 1, multiply that with 10, and then I have the scaling in false again. So this is a physical limitation of the AD converter. And this is just to, to work with proper signals in the computer because otherwise you are introducing unexpected gain factors which cause a lot of trouble. The question of course is uh, did the 
designers of the uh, the board. This is the software provided in in the project. Uh, is the, is the driver doing this for you, or do you have to do that yourself? You have to check that. You can of course read the signal, send it out as the DA converter, and then find out how the internal scaling uh, works. Well, an alternative representation of the same uh, system could be that you say, well, in the com- as in the computer, you work with 16-bit integers. We had a 14-bit uh, number. So instead of putting the, uh, the significant bits uh, in the lowest uh, bits of the uh, computer, you can also put it in the highest bits. That means you say, well, I have a 16-bit integer number, which is in this range, and that gives you completely different numbers. But if you think that uh, your, your bits are in the lower part of the, the integer uh, in, internally in the computer and they are in the, in the higher part, you get very strange effects. Hmm? That was an error made by the, the, the people who worked with the board in the beginning. They saw, well, there is strange behavior and that was exactly this. So you have to take care that you have a proper driver, hopefully that's written for you. But if not, if you get just an empty board... You must know how the number representation inside the computer is. Still, if we do this, we have higher numbers, but the lowest two bits are always zero, so you only have 14-bit accuracy. Okay, the DA converter, we have it here in the same problem, of course, with, uh, with the scaling. You can also do that in, uh, in two ranges, huh? with the uh, 12 bits in the upper part or in the lower part of the integer number into the computer. And it gives you these formulas. Again, is that in the driver or not? You have to, to check that. Uh, then it's important that if you have, uh, have signals here, that you, uh, you limit the, the signals in a proper way. Because otherwise, uh, you, you also get strange effects. If you, you pass the, the, the maximum number, get a kind of, uh, saw wave uh, response if you would have an increasing signal and and don't uh, take uh, precautions that the signal is limited. So you need that here to prevent overflow in the computer and you need it at the other end as well to prevent the the A converter from producing uh, strange uh, values because 2 to to the power 16 plus X is again X. Well, the encoder interface counts pulses from an incremental encoder and by counting the stripes, you know the angle. And the time between the, the, the stripes is the, is the speed. So it, it basically measures angles. And uh, again, there's scaling. The number of, uh, of st- stripes on, on, a, on a ruler is very important to, to know what the, uh, the scaling is. And that depends on the hardware. And of course, higher accuracy requires a higher price. We use pulse width modulation at the uh, at the power side of the processor because that uh, enables inexpensive and efficient power amplifiers to be used. If you want to, to do everything in a linear way, uh, it's always an expensive amplifier. If you use uh, digital signals, you just have a very simple amplifier which only has to amplify uh, the, the power of, of uh, the one and the zero. So we come back to the whole design cycle. If we want to design such a, a real system, we uh, we design the process uh, and first and, and the controller and make a model of the process. 
and test that uh, in a simulation. When the simulation doesn't work, there's hardly to expect that the, the real setup will ever work because simplifi- simulation is always a simplification of reality. Mm-hmm. So get a good working simulation. That means you could start with a relatively simple model and a continuous time controller and then make the process model more realistic, um, make it nonlinear, uh, add more dynamics. Then at the end design also a digital controller, simulate it, and then realize process and controller. That means uh, generation of, uh, of C code. Then how we do that, we have the simulation model. We convert, implode the controller into one single submodel. Then we include hardware-dependent elements. So in the simulation, you also want to know how many bits your AD and DA converters have, how many bits your encoder is, and so on. That makes the things also more realistic. And then you generate the proper C code from the simulator. Also, the hardware dependency is here that you have to, to tell the, the compiler what kind of elements, what kind of drivers you use in the, that's something that's uh, situation dependent. And 20sim allows you to write templates for, for any, any hardware. Well, this was a typical limitation of the ADSP board, something you should uh, take care with. You, you cannot use the uh, the BDF method when generating code, but that's in, in general. You must use a fixed step integration method like Euler or Umakuta, because otherwise you, uh, the, the, the system will not work. So what we did here, we had this uh, server system with AD and DA converters. This was inside. This is the one with the... Uh, this, the state feedback controller with a state variable filter. We imploded this, made a submodel of it, and this part can be used for generation uh, discrete time code. And inside the submodel, then we see again. Well, this is not exactly the uh, the state variable filter. It's the delete network again, but that's not so important. We see here the uh, the controller. We see a signal limiter in order to prevent overflows in the A converter. The A converters and, and encoders have now different uh, icons because this refers to the, uh, the the drivers which take care for the communication with the real hardware. And this hardware dependency has been added now here. Here we have an extra output which allows us to send the measured encoder signal to an oscilloscope. Uh, if you want to uh, to use models from the linear system editor, they cannot be directly used in the controller board because uh, matrix models are not uh, not allowed. So there is an option to uh, to export uh, your matrix models to scalar equations, which helps you in the realization. And that can be done as follows: you have here uh, a matrix model. So I open this. So when I go inside, I have here my uh, my state space representation, and then there is an uh, option here, export to scalar equations, and that gives me another representation 
Well, instead of the, uh, the, the, the A and B matrix, I now have uh, different uh, equations, and this is, uh, this is the equation I can transfer to the, uh, to the ADSP board or to any other board. So this is uh, a typical result, and the, the result it just showed was in continuous time. This is an example in uh, discrete time, mm -hmm. because in the, instead of the differential, the derivatives, we now have the expression next x1 is x2, next x2 is x3, and x3 is a function of the, the other state variables. To conclude, well... Digital implementation has been demonstrated. Of course, if you do that yourself, you will probably face more difficulties, but these are the basics. And more advanced topics such as multivariable systems, uh, state estimation optimization, and more on computer control systems is in the uh, follow-up course, digital control systems.